We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Till the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68. Hello and welcome into Field of 68 After Dark. What a loaded week and what a loaded night of basketball games we have to discuss here on the show. I'm John Martin. I'm holding it down tonight in the host chair. I'm joined by uh, one esteemed gentleman and Jeff Goodman, Uh, Jarrell McNeil. Marquette product, uh, and who was named, I have this down here, who was named as a starting guard for Jeff Goodman's all-toughness team alongside Paul Harris. So Jarrell's with us, and then tonight we have Jeff Goodman, basketball analyst. Uh, We don't really know for where anymore. He has taken that out of his Twitter bio, but uh, he is a basketball analyst for somebody. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy setting the tone. You're just going to patronize us already to start the show. Yeah, and I think that's a great place to start. So we will get into the the entire slate of games. Uh, let's let's get into the championship game, which took place earlier this afternoon in the battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. Villanova just gets out to a massive lead, making every three it felt like in the first half. Led at half, forty four to sixteen. Held on despite incredibly a twenty one to zero run by Memphis in the second half to still win this game, seventy nine to sixty three. Get it out, man. You in the hat. Get it out. What do you, what do you want to say? Listen, all I want to say is that there's a big difference between Villanova and Memphis, and I think we know that now. We, we still don't know how good this Memphis team really is because, frankly, they've beaten some teams right now that we're not sure how good they are. Now, again, they were solid wins. You beat Missouri, Missouri, good win, right? You beat Michigan. Listen, it's better than losing to Michigan. You beat Arkansas. Last night probably looked a little bit better than it looks today, right? Like, I don't know if Missouri or Michigan are tournament teams at the end of the day. You know, I think Arkansas will be one, but again, who knows? <laughs> I, what I do know, what I do know is that Villanova is in a different class 
And I don't think Memphis is in that class right now that you can say they're a lock NCAA tournament team. I don't. Like, listen, they couldn't guard the, the three at all. They couldn't. Villanova was was absolutely carving them up. They were moving the ball. Every shot looked uncontested. And then offensively, it honestly looked like an AU team out there for the first half. Now, again, I give them credit. They fought back. They made it respectable in the second half. But this still, to me, today looks like a team that has a long way to go to be a lock tournament team. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain because I'm a host. I'm I'm gonna be a host. No, no. Okay? But you're and I'm gonna, but and you're I'm a gonna, Memphian. You're a Memphian. I am a Memphian. I am a Memphian. I I don't have enough time in the segment. I don't have enough time in the segment to 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 debunk you right now. I'm gonna go to Jarrell and I want to ask Jarrell: Is it really uh, a negative, right? Is or how much of a negative is it to say right now? And thank you for taking that off. You don't deserve to wear that. Had, how much I, of a negative <laughs> is it really to say that Memphis isn't in the same class as Villanova? What I really am asking here is how good is Villanova? They look to me like one of the best teams in the country. No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, just going off of that, I think it was. Um, I think I heard Jeff the other night say something. It's not always. The fact that you lose uh, in college basketball, a lot it kind of matters how you lose, though. Uh, and I think that, uh, like you said, it's spot on, man. I think that uh, the story the story might be uh, Memphis kind of laying the egg uh, on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball in that first half and just digging a hole that they couldn't get out of. But on, on the flip side of that, man, uh, Nova did this to Maryland not too long ago, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis was – what four for 27 from the field in the first half uh and, and was down pretty much 30 the rest of the way except when they made the little run in the second half and they and they get them credit because those guys did look uh, a lot a lot more like the team that we thought that we were going to get in the matchup that we thought we were going to get in the second half but you know as we all know basketball is a game of two halves but man villanova looks really good and to be honest with you man they got the perfect balance they got the right guys out of the portal it looks like all of those guys have bought in the way Villanova plays traditionally ever since, uh, you know, the Jay Wright days. And uh, and then they got uh, they got Justin Moore and, and, and Dixon, man, and those guys are kind of leading the charge, man. But those guys are were playing together. They're playing old man-style defense. They're not gambling and getting out of position. They're mm-hmm. not over, over-exerting themselves with the pressure. They're just locking in and making it really tough on teams, man. And um, Villanova looks like – they're going to not just be a, a team to be dealt with later on in March, but, uh, you know, once the Big East rolls around, too, they got to be in the top two or three teams, I think, in the conference. Yeah, and we do have an interview with Eric Dixon that we're going to get to here in just a minute. I, I, I do want to come back to you for a second, Jeff, though, because and, – and Memphis lost, right? So Memphis is not – and should not be the story. That's why we're going to get to Eric Dixon. But, like, Memphis is 5-1. and one. They, they picked up two neutral site victories against uh, a Big Ten team and a ranked SEC team. They beat Missouri at Missouri, which, again, like you don't – and I'm just like, – even even strip away the name, right? Strip away whoever it is. For for any team that, that is able to do that and be 5-1, and one, I mean, you're, you're basically saying that a team that is going to be ranked in the top 25 on Monday is not a lock for the NCAA tournament. Like, I just – like, I'm just – do you realize how absurd you sound when you say that? 
Well, look at their schedule coming up too, John. Now, I think they'll pick off enough of these teams. I give Penny a lot of credit because I think he's played a really good non-conference schedule to whereas there's not so much pressure to have to win today's game. And to be honest, you know, if if you said to me, they, they go to and one and they beat Michigan, they beat Arkansas, they beat, you'd sign up for that. Penny Hardaway would sign up for where they are right now in a heartbeat. So I, I think there's a lot of good things to take, especially from a team that was put together so late in the summer. You know, we got to understand that too. Like this wasn't a group that was done even in April or May. This was a group that a lot of the guys were still kind of, right? When did David Jones and Javon Quinterly, you know better than than me, John, when did they commit to play for Memphis? I don't very know. late. It was and, and show up and show up late. Correct. Yep. So I, I do think yep. this is a team that's going to find their way. I like this team better than the last couple of years, to be honest, because they're old. Now you got a lot of three-time transfers on this group, which kind of scares me in a way when guys that have bounced around that much, they're not Villanova. They're not, they don't have that culture. Who does? Who does? Nobody. Right. Uh, I, think, I think, again, it says more about a Villanova team that I picked to, to go to the Final Four. I still don't know if their point guard plays good enough, but they were absolutely – I mean, that first half, 44-18 at the break, I mean, they blew the doors off of Memphis. Memphis, for the first yeah, not half even, – Not even 18. It was only 16. <laughs> it was only 16. So, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't look like a CBI team in the first half. How's that? Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I can't argue with that. And I do think it, it, it is the story of the day because this is a this is a coach that in Kyle Neptune, it was very much and, and probably rightfully so question about, you know, his ability to take over for Jay Wright after that. And not I think he has quieted a lot of those critics uh, not and, and, and maybe not. And well, I mean, look, I, we have an interview we got to get to. I mean, we can have that discussion afterward if you want to. But I, I, it is a good interview. And I do think we should play it because, again, I mean, they are the story of the day winning this championship game in the Bahamas. So here is a conversation with. Eric Dixon. All right, now pleased to welcome in big man Eric Dixon of Villanova, coming off a huge, huge tournament down in the Bahamas, and now you get to enjoy yourself for a little bit tonight before you fly out tomorrow. Uh, Eric, listen, congrats, man. Uh, 11 days ago, need I remind you, you guys lost to Penn, and uh, I don't know how long it feels, but you've been on a roll since. I mean, you beat Maryland unbelievable defensive effort then you go to the atlantis uh beat texas tech handily you know carolina you have a huge game and then today obviously against memphis the first half was was ridiculous what what changed what changed since that that game anything i mean did you you and justin kind of speak up what 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 flipped no i mean just guys buying in you know, uh, and guys getting into it. You know, a team like Penn will teach you a lot of things. It's just something every single year. No matter how much you prepare, you always learn something, win or lose. So uh, for us, we knew we were going to get better coming out of that game either way. We just have to apply it. You know, they're a unique team. and They're really smart and they're tough. You know, the one thing I think people forget, you have so many new guys on this team. You know, I mean, you guys went to the portal, which Villanova doesn't generally do. Uh, but I think Kyle decided, hey, we, we got to do it. And Tyler Burton, TJ Bamba, Akeem Hart, Lance Ware. How how much is it going to take time still? I mean, everybody's going to think Villanova is back today and, and this week. But you guys probably have a lot of room to grow beyond what you've done over the last few days, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the best part about this group. Uh, we got more. I mean, it's my fifth year in the program. I still got things that I don't do perfectly. So uh, just think about that and think about where this team could be at the end of the year. You know, we're going to find ourselves to be the best team, the best, the most best team we can about in the year. 34 and 10 against Carolina, Eric. 34 and 10. Like, I don't know if anybody thought that was coming out of you your, your first few years at Villanova. You know, what, what's it been your progression? Because it has been kind of a steady progression for you, and you've waited your turn, which isn't the norm in college basketball. Why are guys at Villanova more apt to buy in and wait their turn? Um, we've seen guys before us. You know, we've seen the Jermaine Samuels. We see Colin Glass there for five years. Even Sadiq Bay waited a little bit. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, you know, Josh Hart. The list goes on and on and on. So uh, for me to come in and think, like, oh, I'm just going to come in and blow up and be a megastar uh, is, is kind of you know, arrogant in a way with the way this program works. So you were 9 of 20 from 3 going into today. I don't know if you know that. 45%. Today you missed both. Hey, you're down to 41%, Eric. Still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's solid. I mean, shoot them up, take the streets. You'll be shot too, though. You, you know, the team, the other, my teammates had open looks. You know, I didn't have to get too many, uh, you know, different looks. So I, I remember talking to, I think it was Colin, and, and I was messing around with him and saying, like, you know, you guys are robots. Uh, and, and he laughed about it because everybody, Brunson, and you see guys' personalities open up a little bit more when they leave the program. Has that changed a little bit now that Kyle's taken over for Jay? Um, change. I mean, you know, Kyle's very relatable. Uh, a little bit younger. We got some characters on the team. We got a lot of guys uh, that bring a lot of energy. So I think you know we just try to utilize it. So maybe it shows a little bit more. But I think that's just the team that we have this year. I've said I think the key to this team, and I picked you guys to go to the Final Four, but I think the key is Mark Armstrong and point guard play. I, I generally do. I think point guard play really determines your ceiling in a lot of ways for, for every team. Uh, Mark played very well today. Uh, how important is it that he builds on that and continues to get better? And obviously you can play Justin on the ball and, and you have a lot of guys who can initiate the offense. That's the beauty of your team. But I think again, Mark is, is key because he's a true point guard. Yeah. Uh, you know, he gives us another, you know, the facet, if you will, just with his unbelievable speed. I mean, he's super quick. He can make plays for other guys really any time that we need him to. Um, and he's one of those guys I just love to watch grow. It's his second year in the program. I've been with him for, a, you know, a year plus now. And, and I met him in high school. So uh, just to see his growth and his maturity and his push to the game is not only is encouraging, but I'm just happy for him. All right, so how does Villanova truly celebrate a, a, a title like this? I want to know, like, the truth. What are you guys going to do? Is it just a good meal? There's a club there in the Bahamas, too. I mean, are you guys going to go out tonight? You're going to gamble? I mean, definitely not a gamble. Um, but, you know, so we're going to play. We're going to celebrate hard in the game. You know what I mean? So we'll, see what, we'll see what we end up with. All right, well, listen, congrats, man. Uh, it's, it's been great to see your development over the years. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys this year. And, you know, if you if you uh, have my prediction come true, get to the Final Four again. Thank you very much. I'll do my best. All right. Take care. Thanks, Eric. Thank you very much. Of course. 
Good stuff there uh, from Villanova's Eric Dixon again, uh, taking home the battle for Atlantis, which is uh, I think they're undefeated in that event. Like they just run the Bahamas real quick. We were talking about Kyle Neptune, Jeff, before before we got to Eric there. Uh, and, and last year was tough. He didn't have Justin Moore for the majority of the year. And there were times in that season where he was openly questioned about his ability to do that job and succeed Jay Wright. When I said he was maybe rightfully uh, questioned, you took uh, great uh, umbrage with that statement. Um, why? Well, I just don't think it was fair to judge him on a year where he didn't have a point guard. He didn't have his best player for half the year in Justin Moore. And he didn't have his uh, most talented player, Cam Whitmore for the preseason and the start of the season. Like you take that away from anybody. I don't care if it was Jay Wright still coaching. They're still going to struggle. So I, I thought it was really, I would give him a mulligan for last year, a complete mulligan. The guy did a great job at Fordham a couple of years ago in his one year at Fordham in setting that thing up. They're pretty good in year one. And then he left it uh, for Keith Ergo last year to have like a, a legendary year for that Fordham program. So. I actually think Kyle Neptune is going to be really good. I think, again, I'm a big believer in the younger coach these days who can relate, as Eric Dixon said. Not that Jay Wright couldn't, but I think Neptune's going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, Jarrell, real quick here before you get to the rest of the slate here, as somebody that's familiar with the Big East in just 30 seconds here, what do you see in Kyle Neptune and, and sort of his ability to to get this done in, in such a league like that? I mean, I think I think obviously the first thing is that, uh, you know, uh, the program, the upper uh, people in authority, including Jay Wright, man, they all believed in the guy and they kind of handed it off to him. Like they said, uh, like Dixon said in the interview, I thought that was a great point. He's a little bit younger, uh, a little bit more relatable for some of those guys. And I think the big part of that is going to be uh, from what we've seen so far in uh, just his second year on the job is how he uses the transfer portal. I think he has a. I think he kind of has a window right there, to kind of make his own mark and do something that uh that maybe Jay Wright wasn't comfortable maybe doing or didn't want to do uh necessarily all the time because I know how those Villanova guys are cut. You know they mm -hmm. they're big in player development and playing a certain way, man. So I think he's the good guy for the job. Uh, obviously, this will be a big year for him, but he's got a team to make some noise. Uh, for, for some uh, for a deep run in March. So man, we'll see what happens. But I, I mean, I like to hire. I think he's doing a good job so far. Certainly looks like it so far. Every year we expect Michigan State to fix their problems by March. But they're three and four right now. Is this the year when Tom Izzo finally is not going to be able to do it? We'll break that down when we get back. You're watching the Field of 68 After Dark. Back after this. College basketball season kicks off this week, and there is no better way to get prepared for the wild finishes, the bad beats, and the total unpredictability of the sport that we all love than by purchasing access to the Almanac, a project that we at the Field of 68 partnered on with Three Man Weave, Heat Check CBB, and Verbal Commits. Unlike last season, the Almanac is no longer a PDF. Rather, it is a website that features more than 1,500 words on each and every one of the 362 Division I teams in college basketball. We wrote more than 800,000 words in total. We spoke to every single Division I head coach to get a feel for the rosters, the rotation, the projected starter lineups, and what they think their team is going to look like this year. For everyone, from the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, they deserve to be covered like they matter. And over at the Almanac, that is precisely what we do. Access costs just $19.99 for the year and can be purchased at the link in the description below. And now, back to our show. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on social media on X. We are live on YouTube. Obviously, after we get done uh, in the first hour, we're going to do Last Call on Stadium where we answer all your questions. So whatever you want to ask Jeff, whatever you want to ask Jarrell, whatever you need to know, uh, make sure you get that in there in the YouTube chat. We'll answer those questions uh, in about 40 minutes on Stadium. So get those in. All right, lots of games to get to, including North Carolina, Arkansas. That was the other game uh, in the battle for Atlantis uh, that was interesting today. North Carolina does get the win. Uh, update here really quickly. Tremont Mark had a really scary fall. Man, that was a a, a scary sight uh, to see. You know, your your breath kind of stops. But the good news is, uh, MRI showed no significant damage, and he is going to travel with the team. Uh, later this weekend. So obviously great news for for a young man that had a hell of a day uh, before the injury uh, with 112 left. He was uh, going off 34 points there, doing everything he could to keep his team in the game. Uh, North Carolina does win 87 to 72. Obviously, North Carolina uh, had greater ambitions in this event. They wanted to obviously win this thing and could not do it. Went down to Villanova in overtime. Did you see enough, though? Were there enough glimpses, even in a tough L, where you come away, you know, still very impressed with what this group can do? Hell yeah. I, I think so, because I was there at PK85 last year in Portland, and they were a disaster. And we we're all like, well, they're going to come back from that. They never really did. In, in this one, I thought they saw adversity. Number one, Cormac Ryan didn't play, right? He had the... the the double ankle injury at the end of last game that nobody's ever seen before. Uh, they lose to, to Villanova in, in overtime, and they bounce back from that, and they bounce back from – they have a big lead in the first half against Arkansas, and they let that slip away. And the Razorbacks go into halftime with a three-point lead. 
yet they come back. Armando Baycott did not have a, a good day offensively. He really didn't have a good day at all today. Um, yesterday, he wasn't great either, uh, you know, offensively. So R.J. Davis had to carry him, but he had help. Harrison Ingrams looked good. The transfer from Stanford, who people question, well, he was at Stanford. He didn't win. You know, Seth Trimble, who I loved a couple of years ago on the circuit, and I don't know, Jarrell, if you saw him, but I really liked him, yeah. and he played more today and played well. So, yes, I saw a lot more out of this Carolina team today than I saw a year ago when I was scratching my head saying, like, they're soft again. They look soft again. They do not look soft anymore. And I thought bouncing back from the loss the way they did today showed me a lot. As a starting backcourt member of this uh, this all-tough team, Jarrell, that Jeff is yet to – he's got to complete it. He's, he's getting kind of lazy. He's got two people on it. But, I mean, no one is more qualified to answer that than you are. Do you see this team as, as tough enough? Is there enough of an edge – to where they can, you know, make some noise come March. No, I definitely do. And uh, <clears throat> just going into the year and seeing the way that they kind of reassembled the roster a little bit, uh, especially with, like he said, uh, Cadeau, uh reclassing and getting there sooner. Uh, and that was, to be honest with you, it was perfect timing. The kid, I think he like reclassed and we played on the next game of the first session. So I was glad to see him go. Uh, just for our sake, because the kid was leading EYPL in assists, and uh, he's a really electric, explosive point guard. I really love that kid. But uh, like Jeff said, uh, and I and I kind of wrote it down in my notes just over the last couple games. My only real concern with them, uh, to be honest with you, is Baycott uh, and seeing if he's gonna kind of be able to return to form like he was two years ago when they made the uh, the title run and uh, you know got got a, got a, a, a half away from winning the national championship, man. And uh, he struggled a little bit, but I think some of that has to deal with them kind of finding the identity of different ways that they can play. Uh, like he said, uh, Seth Trimble was great. I got a chance to see him as well on the circuit before. Uh, a younger brother of uh, JP Takoto too. I didn't know that until I ran into JP, mm -hmm. who I known for a long time at one of the uh, sessions as well too. But he was really efficient. Uh, I think he finished with like 12 points or something like that. Uh, but uh, but shot it really well. Did it, didn't do didn't do anything to hurt him, man. But I think uh, I think UNC has a chance to be really good. I think they got they, they kind of got to keep mixing in different lineups in different ways. Uh, I like the way he's been sprinkling in and playing R.J. Davis and Cadeau and even Trimble and those guys all together it makes them a little bit faster. It gives them more playmakers on the floor. Uh, I think the biggest question is just going to be able to if uh, if Baycott is going to be able to keep up consistently and run like that. And I also like to see the uh, the way that they keep mixing in. And uh, one of our kids as well, too, Jalen Washington, because he gives them a little bit of a different dynamic with his size and his length. And the kid can really shoot it, man. Really, really, really soft touch. Uh, can step all the way out to three. Uh, money mid-range game. And he's got size. He's a legit 6'9", 6'10", kid, man. And uh, his biggest thing is just going to be staying healthy. Uh, and just get and keep building confidence, but I think they can. I think they could definitely make a deep run. And they're, they're tough enough for sure, man. R.J. Davis is playing at a high level. Yeah, they can. They can turn it on fast. There's no question about it. I want to talk now, though, about a former member of the North Carolina Tar Heels, and I want to get your perspective specifically, Jarrell, because I don't think there was a player in college basketball in the offseason that took more bullets, so to speak, than Caleb Love. I mean, he got blamed for everything. He was the reason why North Carolina became the first number one overall preseason team to not make the tournament. He was the reason why the offense, and yet he goes to Arizona, okay, 
And Arizona ain't lost a game yet, by the way. And Arizona beat Duke at Duke, by the way. And they just beat Michigan earlier today, 74-68, in a game in which he had 17 points, which led his team in scoring. So when you see that happen, and when you consider all the things that were said, you know, last season, just what's your perspective as a player? You know, is it sometimes better just for both parties to part because of one reason or another? Like, just what's your what's your view of the Caleb Love situation and why he is now thriving and last year it didn't work? Man, first of all, I, I really like uh, Caleb Love. And I'm, I was a fan of his, especially when they had the deep run two years ago. But, man, I think he he got completely thrown under the bus. Uh and to be honest with you, some of it was his performance and play on the court. But uh, you're sadly mistaken if you think that's the only reason that they struggled last year. You essentially brought back the same entire team minus uh, <clears throat> a couple of guys here. I think Manic was gone. But uh, you essentially brought back the same team that made it to the national championship game the year before. And we're just going to take that and say, oh, well, this kid is the problem. But, you know, everybody was patting him on the back. Uh, you know, and, and and blowing smoke up his ass when they were winning. So I think it's a little bit of BS. But more than anything, I'm I'm really happy for him. Uh, it seems like, uh, to be honest with you, I think he dodged another bullet. Maybe uh, not not making it to Michigan and and landing in Arizona. It kind of seems just like a match made in heaven, a perfect wow. fit. Uh, and, and man, and they're off to a good start. And to be honest with you, I think you know, obviously, once the the week rolls over, man, those guys are probably going to be what the number two ranked team in the country. Yeah, no, it's uh, were you part of that? By the way, were you part of that campaign, Goodman? Did you did you peddle that narrative that Caleb Love was the problem? Um, he was a big part of it. I thought I thought he was a big part, and and I said it to him after I I apologized to him. Because I think I was a little too you harsh. You said it to him? I, did, I apologized to him. Yeah, I did, after the Duke game. And, but I said to him, here's what I said to Caleb Love. I, I said, because my expectations were so high for you, you didn't guard. That was my bigger problem. My bigger problem wasn't the shot selection. Because, honestly, that makes Caleb Love who he is to some degree. You don't want him to lose that. To me, it was more he didn't guard last year. And, and that's what I told him. I said, like, you guarded. Uh, that Duke game for Arizona, you guarded. Part of the reason of that, too, is I think, again, he heard the naysayers. He heard the skeptics, the critics. And there's a whole lot more competition for playing time right now at Arizona. If he doesn't play well, if he doesn't guard, you know who does? Jaden Bradley. That dude guards. Kai Boswell, one of the best damn point guards right now on the planet in college basketball. So they've got enough other guys. That, that really, if you look at it, Hubert Davis didn't have that. He didn't have that guy that he could just sit Caleb Love down. Now, he probably should have at some point and said, you know what, we'll, we'll lose. We'll lose without you. We're okay with that, but we're not, we're not dealing with you not guarding at all. So I, I think Caleb's been much better uh, so far at Arizona with, with Tommy Lloyd, but I think the situation's very different as well. Uh, on on the other side of this game, Michigan State, uh, they're under 500, um, and ev they're going to be out of the top 25 on Monday, without a doubt. Uh, and every sort of opportunity they have had, whether it was against James Madison, whether it was against uh, Duke, whether it was against Arizona, they have just uh, fallen short. They have not taken advantage of it and have just simply not looked good. So, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to ask you, we always sort of have a default setting 
that Tom Izzo is going to figure this out and we're going to look up in March and, oh, there's Michigan State. Is this the year where maybe it's it's not going to happen? No, because the Big Ten isn't very good. So I think that's going to save Tom Izzo this year, to be honest. I think still he's got enough experience. He's got a really good guard in Tyson Walker. Now he needs A.J. Hogarth to either be more consistent, which I'm not sure he's going to be able to do at this point in his career, or just say, you know what, I'm like, on those days when Hogarth's not playing well, I'm going to sit his ass down and just go with Jeremy Fears. Um, they don't have a five-man. That's the other part of this right now. So you don't have a consistent point guard play, and you don't have a five-man you can throw it into. That That's tough when Jay Nakins hasn't played great. So, again – I trust Tom Izzo. They've got experience. They've got Tyson Walker. They've got enough talent, enough depth. He'll figure it out. Uh, here, uh, 30 seconds or so, Jarrell. Do they have the shooting that you need sort of in this era of college basketball where, you know, it feels like, you know, the best teams are able to put that ball in the bucket? Are they? Can you, can you just find that if it's not there for you? And I know it's early, but can you just find that over the course of a season? No, you're not gonna find it. Uh, you're just not gonna got. You're not gonna find shooters out of thin air. But at the end of the day, I think Jeff is spot on. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be okay because at the end of the day, and I'll ask you guys this: outside of Purdue, who's beating them in the Big Ten? Or a better question: who's gonna beat them twice in the Big Ten? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. you, you know, right. they're, they're right. gonna pick up wins. They're they're gonna get quality wins uh, once they get to conference play. Still, just because I think they have a more talented roster, but I'm not sure how deep the run is gonna go this year. I'm a little, I'm falling off the bandwagon a little bit for Michigan State. Me too. Yeah, Me I don't too. see how you can't. Yeah. Uh, when we get back, is Michigan all that talk about Michigan the first couple weeks of the season? Is Michigan a fake thug? I mean, they might be a fake thug. Also, Jeff Goodman got some words for the haters on Chris Holtman. We're going to do that when we get back. Stick around. You're watching Field of 68 After Dark. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the Field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Field of 68 After Dark. We're on X. We're on YouTube. Uh, in just a little bit, we're going to be on Stadium asking, or excuse me, answering all of your burning questions. So if you have not uh, gotten a question in yet and you have something you want to know, put it in the chat. We'll get to it. We'll get to it on Stadium uh, in just about 30 minutes or so. I'm John Martin, hosting here with Jeff Goodman, Jarrell McNeil. Uh, once upon a time, not too long ago, we all kind of thought Michigan, hey, you know, Doug McDaniels, you know, Kamwai, maybe maybe uh, Juwan's got something cooking here a little bit. Uh, and now they've lost three or four, and they don't look so hot. From a perspective, Jeff, uh, has Juwan lost the momentum here? I mean, it felt so good after that year where, you know, they make that run in March and you think, oh, man, you know, Juwan is a, as a, you know, man of the program, one of no, maybe he's the guy to do it. It just feels to me like they've lost all the momentum here. Uh, do you agree with that? And, and, and can Juwan get it back? So I thought he was the outlier. And, and by that, I mean the former NBA player with $100 million in his bank account that can go to college and coach and win at a high level. Most of them have failed. I mean, look at them, Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing. Uh, you, you can go down the line, and, and most of the Clyde Drexler years ago, like all these dudes have failed pretty much. Um, and, and Juwan was doing so well. He had him a step away from a Final Four uh, in the bubble. But but you look at it and you say, like, all right, was that John Beeline's culture? Those were John Beeline's, a lot of his players. And now last year he lost a lot of momentum with Hunter Dickinson, who you see is one of the best players in the country, and two first-round picks, one of which was his son. Um, and now this year, obviously, you know, you got to give him a mulligan because he's getting, uh, you know, he, he had major surgery here not that long ago, and he came back and was observing basically over these last few games. Well, today, while observing, he got tossed out of the game. He got tossed out of the game. And it wasn't that they lost today to Texas Tech, and I, I watched that game pretty intently. Um, it was how they lost it. Like, they did not play hard. They didn't play with a sense of urgency. And they had just gotten done almost losing to Stanford, you know? So, like, they were in danger here of maybe going 0-3 at one point, and they just didn't play with any, any energy. And, and that's what you want to see. If you're going to lose, at least play hard as shit. And they did not look like they were playing with any energy, any sense of urgency. Um, Namari Burnett wasn't very good today, but they got killed on the glass. Like they just, they didn't look like a team that was, that that, that came in with, with any sort of juice to them. Yeah. Jarrell, I mean, we're talking about the big 10 and, and even if, even as down as it may be, when you watch this Michigan team, do you see a team that can survive that? I think they'll. I think they'll still end up being in the in the in the top half of the of the conference once we get to or get around to that time. But uh, I mean, like like Jeff said, just it, really no passion, no intensity. 
again, for me, just no real uh, desire or will to guard. It's not like Texas Tech is some uh, offensive juggernaut. Uh, those guys have four four starters in double figures, uh, gave up 13 offensive rebounds, got killed on the glass. And uh, like you said, Burnett had a, a tough night. He was one for 10 from the field. And right now, uh, really the only real bright spot that you have is uh, Doug McDaniel, and he's still – kind of keeping it rolling and trying to trying to play as best as he can to keep those guys alive but man they, they're, they're gonna have a little bit of a gut check here man and uh michigan is gonna have to figure out they, they're gonna have to find guys that are, that are gonna get out there and play with passion and that's gonna guard at the end of the day because if you don't guard and uh you think you're gonna give up uh 90 points and 80 points and win games like that in the big 10 you're sadly mistaken so they, they they got a little bit of time here to figure it out so we'll see how it goes yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to. There's no question about it. All right, moving on. Other games that we need to touch on. Uh, Ohio State gets a ranked win tonight, uh, 92-81 over the Alabama Crimson Tide. Bruce Thornton, 29 points for him. He went off. Here's a question, Jeff. Who does this say more about, Ohio State or Alabama? <laughs> Probably Alabama because they don't guard at all right now. You know they gave up ninety-two points. Nobody guards. State. Nobody guards enough for you. You're, you're, you're no, just, but you're, you you're perpetually unsatisfied. No, you are not giving up ninety-two points to Ohio State. You're just not. And I love Bruce Thornton. <laughs> Roddy Gay was terrific today. But come on, man! Like you, you're not doing that. And you know Alabama. That that was the difference. If you remember, like the first year with Nate Oates, his teams didn't guard, and then the second year. They flipped it, and uh, and and Herb and that group really started to get after it defensively, and it, and it totally changed that Alabama program. And uh, they just don't have enough right now. You know, you're relying on three, honestly, three mid-major guys. Think about it. Mark Sears, mid-major guard. Aaron Estrada mm -hmm. came from Hofstra. Really good mid-major players. Don't get me wrong. Grant Nelson, mid-major player. Those are your three best players right now. And you got a bun bunch of unproven guys, freshmen, Stevenson, Walters. So I think still Alabama, and they hadn't played anybody really up to this point. They've got a, a murderer's row coming up in a, in a in about a, a few weeks or so. Uh, but Ohio State, listen, that was a huge win for them. Neutral, neutral site win over an Alabama team that's going to probably get better because some of these young guys are going to emerge in time, whether it's Sam Walters uh, or Jaron Stevenson. Yeah, I thought uh, – I, I don't know if, you know, in terms of, you know, Alabama, Jarrell, is 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 there something there? Like, you know, we, we, we sort of have such an expectation of them to, you know, be in contention for the SEC to be a one-seed type of team. I know they go out and they add Grant Nelson. Um, is there enough there for you? Are you intrigued by them? Or are they – you know, do they have the feel of underachievers to you? No, they, they're definitely an intriguing team. Uh, and it's partially, and I think just on the flip side of what Jeff said, um, all three of those mid-major guys, and that's kind of their big three. But you know, they're all I, I would say really good, pretty good offensive players. Like they can they can fill it up, they can score points even tonight. You know, Ohio State, and, and this is why it kind of goes back to Alabama. I feel like because Ohio State still gave up eighty-one. Nelson had twenty and six. Uh, Estrada had nineteen. Sears had seventeen. Uh, you know, the thing that kind of saved them tonight is that uh, you know, one of my favorite guards to watch is that Bruce Thornton. Uh, he kind of yeah. hung, hung a Monet on him. He had a, a masterpiece of a game. 
a masterpiece of a game with the pretty much uh, efficient 30 points and four and three uh, with the rest of his stat line. But, man, he just controlled every facet of that game, and they had no answer for him at all on Alabama. Absolutely mm-hmm. no answer. He got to where he wanted. He did what he wanted. He uh, he scored the ball at a high level. He shot efficiently. I think he was like 13 or 14 from the free throw line. And he got. And the biggest thing is that he got those other guys on his team who who have been obviously uh, struggling to get their own looks and score at a high rate. Uh, he got those guys shots and made the game easy on them. And uh, and uh, obviously uh, the fre- the freshman key came in and I think he played solid tonight as well too, as along with uh, Roddy Gale. But uh, it goes back to Alabama. They're intriguing. I'm not 100 percent sure what they're going to be yet but man mm-hmm. uh once they get to sec play they're, they're gonna need to get more physical i can see that right off the jump man those guys are gonna have to get in there they're gonna have to bang a little bit more and they're gonna have to find some guys to come in and protect some of these guys that we're talking about that are more offensive oriented players they're gonna have to get some guys that are gonna get in there and be physical and guard somebody so jeff what you drinking over there is that holtman light what you got over there brother <laughs> Got a little Allagash White, but yeah, l- listen, I'll say it to those Ohio State fans. Like, say like, it, they were say really, it. You no, know, but like, they're ready to run Holtman out after one bad year. I get it, they're not going deep in the tournament. Well, there are a lot of other coaches <laughs> that aren't going deep in the tournament either. Brad Underwood, Fran McCaffrey, last I checked, they're not going the second weekend either. Holtman had been in the tournament, how about this? Every year, dating back to when he was at Butler, he took over in crazy circumstances there when Brandon Miller basically walked away um, due to some mental health uh, issues. Uh, Holtman took over, went to tournament every year there, every year at Ohio State, took over a program that was not in great shape when Thad Mata left. That's why he was fired and, and got it kind of back. And, and the other part for Ohio State is like your fans, can like those fans complain. They're the only really team in the Big Ten without a home court advantage for who? They don't care. They don't – I've been there in non-conference <laughs> games, John. They don't give a shit. They don't support it like those other teams in the Big Ten, which are crazy home court advantages. And Ohio State's got nothing because, again, it's all about tomorrow, tomorrow, and football. Tomorrow. Big game. Big game. Yeah, it is a, it is a big game. You like, uh, you like Michigan in that one tomorrow? I generally don't like cheaters, so. <laughs> is it cheating i mean really should it should it be cheating you know what i'm saying like that's yes. that's what kills me that's what kills me because in basketball you know you get you have these uh you know you have these mtes guys are in the stands yeah. all the time the night before you know but are they, at, the are they at other mts wait wait are they at other mts that they're not supposed to be at like sitting on the yeah, bench i don't know, I don't know. Are they on the bench on other teams mts I mean, look, it would not surprise me if somebody got sent somewhere along the way. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, Jim, Jim's going to probably – who knows? He'll be coaching the Bears or something next year. This is his uh, last hoorah. You know, I think I think, uh, I think think Ohio State will be uh, reflecting on the Alabama win tomorrow would, would be my guess. I don't think they're going to have much to celebrate uh, tomorrow against Mitch. Uh, we are going to get into a few other games here, Florida Atlantic – uh fau after a, a bit of a rocky start losing there to to, to bryant uh they got a much needed victory uh against a, a top 25 ranked texas a&m team and uh, do you have a is that an owl's hat you have back there is that what i saw or you don't have yeah, one yeah no i got it I okay got okay it. yeah yeah put that thing on put that thing on yeah <laughs> repping the aac 
So, so we'll get into just how uh, big that win was for FAU and if, if they perhaps indeed did save their season uh, and, and a few more things that we'll get to, including Baylor in Florida as well. You are watching the Field of 68 After Dark. We're on X. We're on YouTube. Stick around. College basketball season kicks off this week, and there is no better way to get prepared for the wild finishes, the bad beats, and the total unpredictability of the sport that we all love than by purchasing access to the Almanac, a project that we at the Field of 68 partnered on with Three Man Weave, Heat Check CBB, and Verbal Commits. Unlike last season, the Almanac is no longer a PDF. Rather, it is a website that features more than 1,500 words on each and every one of the 362 Division I teams in college basketball. We wrote more than 800,000 words in total. We spoke to every single Division I head coach to get a feel for the rosters, the rotation, the projected starter lineups, and what they think their team is going to look like this year. For everyone, from the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, they deserve to be covered like they matter. And over at the Almanac, that is precisely what we do. Access costs just $19.99 for the year and can be purchased at the link in the description below. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. We're on X. We're on YouTube. Uh, we are taking your questions for last call. That's exclusively on Stadium. Uh, Jeff is going to answer and Jarrell is going to answer all your burning questions about college basketball, uh, whatever they may be. So make sure you get them in. If you have not asked a question, you have a question, get it in. We'll get to it. We got 30 minutes. We'll get to it. So make sure you do that. All right. In the meantime, and between time, FAU potentially with a season-saving victory, just in terms of credibility, honestly, uh, today. They needed it desperately after losing to Bryant. If they were going to stay in the top 25, they had to get this one done. And they did get it done as pretty decent-sized underdogs, 96-89, uh, it kind of felt like 2023 March to me, man. It kind of felt so late tournament again because it was John L. Davis and it was Elijah Martin early and often. What does this win mean, Jeff, for FAU? Well, I mean, they've got other opportunities, right? I mean, they, they still get Illinois and Jimmy V on December 5th. They still get uh, Arizona in Vegas. We're going to be down there for the Field of 68 tip-off. Next Thursday, they play Liberty, and Saturday, they play Charleston. So the good thing for Dusty May is it's not like the sky is falling here just because of that one bad loss, and it was a bad loss that they just looked past Bryant. Now, here my biggest thing from today is Elijah Martin finally looked healthy because he had missed a, a chunk Absolutely. of the preseason with a stress reaction, hadn't played well at all. In fact, he was shooting 24% from the field and 23% from cool. three coming into the game. Terrible. I mean, couldn't make a shot. And uh, today, as you said, he and John L combined for 51 points. 
They both shot it really well from deep. They got to the basket. Elijah was making pull-up foul line jumpers. He just looked like Elijah Martin. (laughs) So, like, that to me was the biggest thing for them coming into a stretch here where they're going to need him to be himself. And beating a a Texas A&M team that a lot of people thought was, like, top 10-ish, myself included. Now, again, they were shorthanded. Henry Coleman went out with an injury. He played about 15 minutes. He went out late in the first half and didn't come back. But, man, how good is Wade Taylor? Like, those guards today were the highest level. Wade Taylor, the fourth, was probably the best part. He was the best player on the court today. And he might be – and, Jarrell, I'd love to know your take on this because you've watched Tyler Kolick a lot. And I said I think the Marquette uh, point guard is the best at his position in the country. Wade Taylor's not far off, is he? No, not at all, man. And he was, uh, boy, like you said, Jeff, just absolutely spectacular today. Every single, every single time with uh, FAU, and they, and you got to give those guys credit. Like you said, FAU looked at like they looked like the Final Four team that we saw last year with those two guards that can give you a bucket or make a play for their teammates at any given time from anywhere on the court. Uh, and Jonell Davis and Elijah Martin. And like you said, Elijah Martin just getting back to being himself. He looked in a lot more comfortable. And, you know, I'm sure he was just waiting or chomping at the bit to kind of get the lid off the rim for himself. But, uh, man, I got to give a, a major credit to Texas A&M because every time I thought they were just going to pack it in and fold up and they go on another run, man, here comes uh, Wade Taylor. And he's just – he's doing it every which way, three-point lines, playing in the pick and roll, pushing the ball after makes and misses, getting to the rim, getting in ones. Uh, man, he single-handedly mm-hmm. made this a competitive game, and uh, he gave them all that he could handle. But as far as that matchup with Hillman Kolick, um, I think they're a, a, a little different, both really good point guards. But I tell people this all the time, and, uh, and sometimes it's hard to tell just because of the flow of the game. But TK is such a pass-first point guard. And that's his gift. That's his gift to the game. Like, he scores because people are terrified of him coming out and getting 12 to 15 assists and then all the other guys getting 15 to 20 points. That's why TK is open. That's why you see him get those flip shots at the rim with a late contest. It's because they're so scared of him and they know his passing ability. And I seen it right away that first year he uh, transferred over from George Mason. Just his ability to play out of pick and roll and make rotational passes out of the pick and roll. It's such an underrated skill at the college level because if you could do that, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna eat at the college in the college game. If you can make those passes consistently, you're gonna get six assists a game at least and then guys are gonna love playing with you so the coach is always gonna have a ball in your hand so i think they're a little bit different but listen pound for pound way taylor uh he's not really taking the back seat to too many people i do like kolik a little bit better because i think he's a little bit more of a natural pg uh which really doesn't exist anymore on any levels but uh but tk can score too so it, you know it kind of it kind of balanced it out but man way taylor was impressive today yeah, I can uh, I can just see Goodman like you want to say something crazy, bro. Like I could see you're chomping at the bit. So <laughs> this feels like a, this. I mean, I, I know you just want to let it let it rip. And I think it's a perfect time. Talk about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It's the place to store your own bold predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app. Give it a try for free. Vaulted spelled V-L-T-E-D, and it is the app to challenge your friends, store your predictions, 
and join daily cash prize pools without any entry fee. Download Vaulted today. So, Jeff, let's imagine for a moment that you had friends. What would you challenge them to? What's your great opinion here? What are you putting in Vaulted? I'm just going to say there's one big game tomorrow, right? There's not a lot of high, high level games. We got F- Sunday. I'm sorry. Sunday. FAU plays Virginia Tech Sunday. Um, I'm going to say that FAU is going to win that game against a dangerous, uh, well coached, Mike Young coached Virginia Tech team that was not great last year, but I think will be much better. They beat Iowa State today. Some people thought Iowa State should have been ranked. So I'm going to say that they're going to win this game against Virginia Tech. Uh, do you accept my challenge, or, or are you with me on this, John, that, that, and, and Jarrell, that uh, the FAU is going to win this one? I think I, for, on behalf of all of Memphis, I have to disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, you know, it's just indoctrinated. You know what I'm saying? I have to disagree. The Hokies are going to pull it off for Justin Fuente. In Memphis football, they're going to get it done. So yes, I'm going. I'm going with Virginia Tech. Lock it in, man. Come on, Jarrell, get with me. You with me? Pull I, it off. I cannot take that. I cannot take that journey with you, my friend, John. But I am going. <laughs> I am going to jump on board with Jeff. I think FAU gets it. But uh, just in their yes. defense, Vitek was impressive today. I, I I do like the one guard they have, uh, Sean Padilla. I think. I hope I'm pronouncing that yeah. right. I think it's pronounced yeah. Padilla. Yeah. Uh, Badula, oh yeah, he, I, I really like that guy, man. He can play with the ball. He's good in pick and rolls, and uh, both of those guys, those guards, they got can really shoot the ball. So they're able to stretch the floor. Uh, I'm sure FAU that'd be a part, of, a big part of their game plan is just being physical, getting into the ball, and kind of forcing those guys to run off the three point line and make them try to finish at the rim over some length. So, uh, but I'm I'm rolling with FAU for this one. I'll just say this real quick, Jeff, for the for the AAC, right? I mean, I mean, you go around the league, I mean. The AC is trying to be taken seriously, you know. I mean, it's trying to keep up an expansion. I mean, they have got to have somebody other than Memphis. And I think FAU, you know, again, desperate, desperate situation for them. You know, if they were to fall out of that top 25, especially bringing everybody back, that would have been a really, really tough look. But, uh, I mean, I, 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 I don't know how you can't like FAU a lot. Um, it's hard to duplicate, you know, back-to-back Final Fours. But the pieces are there, especially, you know, if, if Elijah Martin is healthy. So uh, that was certainly a great development for the AAC today. You look up. Here we go. It's November 24th. The Baylor Bears have not lost a game. I mean, it, it is amazing, isn't it, Jeff? The, it, it feels like we take the job that Scott Drew does year in and year out for granted a little bit. That At least for me. Like, I feel like he's never, like, mentioned – in that discussion is one, but man, Baylor is so freaking consistent every single year. And they just knocked out Florida earlier tonight. No, you're, you're so right. Like now we just put them in the top 25 and we're like automatic. Scott Drew is going to be good. And we forget how hard that job is, right? Another place where the fan support isn't great. They're building a new arena. So I think it'll get better, but I've been there before when in not conference, like nobody was at Baylor. Nobody was at those games. And Scott Drew's done such an amazing job. And he's done it early on. He did it with really high-profile dudes. And Jarrell might remember some of these guys, right? I mean, Isaiah Austin, Quincy Miller, some of these guys that were really highly rated. And now Scott Drew's done a better job with the mix, right? Jacoby Walter is a stud. I mean, he he's one of the best freshmen in the country, maybe one of the best players in the country already. But he's also got some old dudes. I mean, you look at, 
Ray J. Dennis today, the Toledo transfer, started his career at Boise State. He was the star of the game. He, I think he had 22 points in the second half, and he looked like those Villanova guards posting. Even though he's only like Jalen Brunson's size, probably six one and a half, he's posting for his for his mm-hmm. his points. So I, I I give Scott Drew so much credit because he just finds a way every year now. Yeah. All right. We got to do toast of the night here really quickly here. Uh, I'll get, I'll get, I'll let you guys get it together. I am going to give a toast of the night to Elijah Martin, who, as you mentioned, Jeff was just really shooting the ball poorly comes in in a much needed game for his team pulls off 25 throwback to the NCAA tournament last year. Definitely a toast to Elijah Martin. Jarrell. I'm going to go with, the Oklahoma Sooners won on a tip-in. Uh, I know it's been some tough sledding for Porter Moser the last couple of years, but I think they're, what, 6-0 and now? Uh, looking good early on. Let's see if they can sustain, can sustain it, but uh, that's my toast of the night. I'm going with my guy right here, little Ohio State, Bruce Thornton. <laughs> Bruce Thornton, what a game. Chris Holtman, I mean, listen, they needed it bad. That was a big win for the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Good totes all around. If you have any more questions, make sure to get them in the YouTube chat. Little credit to Colorado State before we leave. Big win over Creighton. Amen. Big win yesterday. No question about it. We're going to be on stadium answering all your questions uh, on last call. We'll be back tomorrow night for Jeff Goodman, for Jarrell McNeil. I'm John Martin. This has been Field of 68 After Dark. We'll see you tomorrow night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.